Good evening. Thank you for coming. I'm grateful for this good turnout. I guess as I start, I, I just want to say that all of what we're going to be talking about tonight is the result of uh, healthy growth in our church, uh, which means um, we should be grateful to even meet on, on this sort of thing. There's, uh, there's churches with good people all over the world who never get to have this meeting, and that's a real blessing from the Lord. And uh, I just I hope that shapes our spirits as we go in, that, that it's through God's grace that we have to talk about growth in a responsible way because we have it. And uh, so that's what we're going to be dealing with tonight is how do we grow. And uh, I want to start this, I want to introduce the speakers, but on the way to introduction, I just want to start by framing the whole conversation to say this is ultimately is a, a Great Commission conversation. How do we interpret the Great Commission of Scripture and of our Lord and how do we want to grow? And... Um, I want to refresh some of you. You will be so sick and tired of hearing gross premature uh, by the end of a year, but you're going to keep hearing it. Um, you know, a year ago, we began to kind of uh, frame the Great Commission in this idea that God wants to grow his kingdom, he wants to spread his kingdom, and he wants his kingdom to mature. And when we said that, it was just our way of kind of dividing up the concepts of the Great Commission into... Uh, ways that we could uh, kind of manage it from a ministry level and a, a church life level. But from GROW, what we mean is that uh, when the gospel is lived out through believers like ourselves in a sacrificial and loving way, people around us see it and are drawn to the Lord, and the church grows. More often than not, that's healthy church growth comes from people seeing healthy Christians, and it, it's going to grow numerically, and I think we've enjoyed that here in our church, and that's what it means to say that God wants to grow, is that we, we ought to hope for growth here, and we ought to be asking questions from the leadership down, down low to, well, how would this work as our church grows? Um, because we should want it. I, I have this conviction that if every human being on the planet would come to church on Sunday, I would want to have a way to see them. And that's what it means to want a church to grow. And when we say God wants to spread his church, what we mean is that when Christians are kind of working their faith out in their own lives and they get excited about the gospel, that they have a heart to bring it somewhere else where it hasn't fully taken root or hasn't fully taken seat or it's not growing well on its own. We want to take it there and we want to, we want to care for it and, and, and deliver it in such a way that it begins to grow over there like it's growing over here. That's uh, the missionary heart of the Great Commission. That's... Uh, it's just a natural outworking of being excited about Jesus Christ and owning our own salvation. And, um, it, it should happen in us. And certainly as a church, we should model it for one another. And that's what it means that God wants to spread his, his kingdom. And then finally, maturing. What we mean by that when we say it is that as the gospel works itself out in our own lives, we mature spiritually. We become um, more sacrificial for the Lord and for one another. And we believe that it's those three layers that uh, equates to healthy growth, that we're not just trying to send missionaries, and we're not just trying to get big, and we're not just trying to have Bible studies. We're trying to grow in a healthy way that incorporates all those things together. That's how we define healthy growth. And I've been impacted that we can't ever really satisfy this idea. You know, we've been, we've been pretty full lately. Um, I think I had uh, Debbie. I think Debbie did it for me the other day. Maybe it was Molly, but I had them break out average attendances from the past years just to track growth. I think September of last year, we were hitting 330. I think we averaged about 310. We had 408 last Sunday, um, and close to that this Sunday. When you count every 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 head in the church, many of them are short. But they matter. They matter. And we, we can't satisfy the calling of the Great Commission by, by kind of saying, well, the building's full. We've checked the box, right? Our commitment to this kind of growth extends beyond these walls. This brick and mortar is a shell that holds us for a time, but we have to be committed to growing God's kingdom infinitely. If every human on the planet wanted to come to our church, 
we, it should rack our spirits to figure out how to make that possible. And so it's kind of a continual process that we're working through. And, and this process has started. It's gone on for years and years. But, uh, you know, under, under kind of my very short time here and uh, under the idea of Grow, Spread, Mature, it started very intentionally last year in February of 2010. We stood up the Building Improvement Committee uh, for the purpose of addressing some of these growth challenges from a facility material perspective. We said God wants to grow his church. This church feels full. It feels tight. We said this last year. And we said, let's figure out what we need to do and how we need to move forward. And, and they've been meeting. They've been meeting all year. Uh, they've been working hard. And uh, Chris, I won't steal your thunder. But I'll say this is what we know. The church is full. Um, and as we kind of worked out some of the, the questions throughout the, uh, our, our year of meeting, what was funny was interesting questions would surface that we really didn't have an answer to, or the answer to the question was outside of our charter. For example, we would be canvassing or discussing a specific architect, and you know, we would say, oh, we really like their approach, uh, their use of this material, or the way they approach this, and then somebody would ask, well, if we did that, how would that shape our community? And we would all look at each other and go, huh, that's a great question. And then it would go quiet, and then we'd move on. Because in a, in a sense, the BIC knows it doesn't really have the right or the mandate to determine how we want to shape the church. The BIC is waiting for the church to say, this is what we want to look like, go build it. And so various times we found ourselves kind of cornered by peculiar questions that we either could not answer or whose answer uh, lay outside of our charter. And in a very distilled form, and I'm saying because we never said it this exact way, this stumbled on us months and months later. What we were ultimately asking, I think, is, is what is our model of growth for the church? How do we want to grow? How do we think about growth? We were... We were asking that question, but we were unable to answer it in and of our, ourselves as a committee because it's a, it's a bigger question, isn't it? But we've been asking this, how do we want to grow? That a growth model is kind of the phrase I've been using and I think is an important phrase, this growth model, and is one, by the way, you're going to hear a thousand times uh, over the next months. Growth model is an important question. We have grow and we have spread and we have mature, but how exactly they relate and how how they go on from here, well, that's, that's a different question that we haven't really answered until, I hope, uh, now. So in a moment, uh, Chris Millicenzik uh, will bring forth just some of the ways that the Building Improvement Committee has been wrestling with this question, some of the things we've learned about the opportunities and constraints of 505 Schoolhouse Road, and how that kind of contributes to us answering the question of what do we want our growth model to be. We stumbled on the growth model question backwards. We had to derive it in a very difficult way um, by saying, well, we can't do that, and we can't do that, and we finally said, well, what is God doing? And that question was, that kind of phraseology happened in multiple corners of the church around the same time. Speaking of which, last February, at the same time, in fact, on the very same night that we stood up the BIC, the Building Improvement Committee, we voted to establish the Planting and Spreading co Committee. We did, it, we did the two votes immediately next to one another uh, because we believe that God wants to grow, spread, and mature His church simultaneously. And this team has also been meeting throughout the year. They've been extremely busy. They um, have been hard at work, not just on things like Loma and Alpha and Alpha Class, but doing other things as well. And out of their committee, we, they have also begun to surface certain kinds of questions that don't have ready answers or whose answers seem to lay outside of their committee's charter. Like, we established a planting and spreading committee to ostensibly plant a church, but who decides when that happens? I mean, obviously, they can't decide when that happens. A vote of four can't, I mean, Right? we found ourselves going, wow, that's a great question. When, when do we commit to plant? And how does the church relate to that question? How does the broader community speak into the question of when, in fact, do we plant and, uh, versus 
versus other sorts of planting and spreading. And so they found themselves kind of, uh, kind of tucked in or painted into a corner with all their excitement and all of their hope and, and kind of what they think the Lord's doing. And then they'll, they'll come to me and I'll say, well, let's hold on a second. Um, and I think it's because the church needs to figure out how do we want to grow. Because planting a church, I believe, is not simply starting another community. It's a method of kingdom growth. And it's a method of the way that this church is deciding to grow. And so it really is a growth model question that we have to talk about. And Rick Sumner uh, will be coming to you this, uh, this evening this evening, to talk about that a little bit. After they present, uh, Chris for the BIC and Rick for the planning and spreading, I'm going to come back up. I'm going to talk a little bit about how this question of growth model relates to our maturity, how we mature as a body, and, and then kind of what I want to do is put forth to you what I think, uh, what we think our growth model should be. What's really exciting to me, by the way, is that um, the Building Improvement Committee was chartered and kind of went off, and the Planning and Spreading Committee was chartered and went off, and a year later, they're right back together again, tightly woven, going, you know, I've even heard them say, yeah, we should team up. And when you see that happen, you know God's at work, right? When you see things that do this, most often in churches come right back together again. Um, I think that's very spiritual. And so I'll talk about a little bit of how we think we can weave some of this together uh, to fulfill the Great Commission more faithfully. So with that, let me pray, and then I'll welcome up Chris to come up. Lord, guide our spirits now as we uh, try to think faithfully and listen faithfully and, and present faithfully. Uh, God, I, I just I hope for the most for your kingdom, Lord, and I pray that you would give us more than we can handle so that we can uh, see your fullness. And Lord, I just... I'm grateful for tonight and for the people who came. And I, I pray that you would take control of the evening. In Jesus' name, amen. I will say, while Chris is coming up, and you can come on up, tonight is a presentation. Um, so there's no Q&A time tonight because there's too many of us. Um, that will be coming, and I'll share a little bit in the end. But Chris will present, uh, and, then, and then we'll follow. Thanks. Well, thanks for all coming out tonight. Um, I've got some interesting information to share with all of you, and our team has been doing a lot in the last year. I'm excited to share this with you, but there's going to be a lot of information coming at you. Um, I hope that you can kind of rise up above a little bit what what is in the charts and think about how this affects what the whole church wants to do. Um, um, you know, my name is Chris Melisinsic. For those who don't know me, I've been coming here since about 2007 with my wife, Nita. And in 2010, uh, Nita and I decided that, you know, God had led us to become baptized in this church. I think it was in the spring of 2010. And about a month later, uh, John and Terry approached me and said, uh, how would you like to chair the Building Improvement Committee? And I said, fine, that'd be really wonderful. What, what does the Building Improvement Committee do? And they said, well, we want you to build a new church. And I thought, wow, you know, things are moving fast in my spiritual life. I mean, I had a real chuckle with God on that one. I thought, yeah, you got me there. Um, we have a fantastic team. Um, Wayne Logan is on our team. He's uh, an engineer for many years and has been responsible for so many things at the church. Um, Rick Garrett is on our team. Uh, he's also an engineer at DuPont and has tons of experience. And, and we have Tim Anderson, who's a professional engineer, um, works at a private firm here and knows all about engineering and has contacts with the county. And, and Terry, of course, did that in a previous life. So we've got a stacked deck, and we hit this really hard uh, last summer uh, to get things going. So let me, let me share... I can't go to the next slide. I, I can't help but do this. I have, what happened in the past? We, I always I think Mike handed this over to me. So um, in the past, in 2004, we did a $1.8 million renovation. Or, and, and at that time, in the West Wing, 
it was decided that the church was going to take a pause and, and not incur any more debt and start to pay down debt. Okay, but at that time, they did a 2004 master plan, which was really a plan to build that way a new worship center. Um, in 2008, while the BIC was taking a break and the church was paying down debt and being very financially responsible, the congregation went from one services to two services, and it didn't seem like that was important at all uh, for the Building Improvement Committee because it wasn't. It was just a very smart, intelligent thing to do in 2008 to handle growth. And you'll see why this is important later. From 2004 to 2010, our congregation grew, like John said, from about 150 to 350 people. And last summer, um, the BIC was reestablished to a deal, with, deal with this growth issue and to then pick up the master plan from 2004 and get it done, you know. That was, that was the plan. So what's happening now? Um, last summer we met and we went through the master plan. We interviewed four architects. We had rounds of meetings with them to get to know them and to talk with them about what we wanted to do. And um, we selected an architect. And then in about February of this year, we started looking at the scale of what we wanted to do. And all of the kind of the strange looks we got from our architects started to make sense. Because we were telling them we want to do this, and they kept saying, well, have you thought about this? And we started getting a little bit of pushback. Um, and we realized around March that maybe this site, to, I'll call it 505 Schoolhouse Road, 505 was too small for a large expansion. Okay. And then in April, we determined that did some more analysis, and really building a new small sanctuary wasn't really going to meet the needs of what we wanted to do. So we can't build a large sanctuary, and we, can't really, we don't really want to build a small sanctuary. Um, so then in May, we started asking the church council. We started bringing this, attention to the, bringing this issue to the attention of the church council, and we started saying, hey, we really need a growth model for the church that we need to commit to for maybe the next five years so that we can then determine what we want to do. Um, and then in June, we started coordinating with the Planning and Spreading Committee um, and then participating in growth modeling scouting work. So this is really what's, what's been happening. Um, so what are the facts? You know, try to help me understand. I'm going to try to give you a little detail here. Um, this sanctuary holds about 200 people. And our school, the West Wing, holds about 175 more people. So when you add this all up for two services, you have about 375 is a, is a good number. 375 people bring about 150 cars. This is 2.2 people per car. This is a well-known number in architecture. When you build churches anywhere, this is what you're going to assume. Okay? So it's not just us. We're, we're the national average. But it is... And other sites. Our, our lot has about 110 spaces. So if, do quick math here. You're about 40 spaces short, and we are. And those cars park next door and sometimes on the grass. So this is kind of where we are. When we went to the county and we said, how many parking spaces will you let us build if we want to max out? The county said, I've got good news for you. You can go up from 110 to 175. We thought this is wonderful. The 2004 master plan called for a new sanctuary that was about twice the size of this one over there. So when you do the math, you say, okay, my new sanctuary is going to have 450 people in it. They may bring about 200 cars, and I'm good to go. However, if you go down to the red line... If we keep two services like we're doing today, we don't have 400 people here. We have 800 people here. 400 will be worshiping in a sanctuary, and the other 400 will be in the school. So that's 800. And 800 people bring about 350 cars. So we don't have nearly enough parking here to build 
a sanctuary there that would be twice as large as the sanctuary that we have here unless we go back to a single service type model, which we don't want to do. So we kind of hit this and we said, hmm. Here's some facts. Um, When we did the master plan in 2004, we only had one service. Um, The 450-person sanctuary that was contemplated at the time was possible. Um, We went to two services. Remember I mentioned earlier in 2008 we went to two services? That was really important. We doubled capacity in 2008. And in blue I have here... We could double once, but we can't double twice. So we kind of had our double back in 2008. The parking issue and the high cost of building a new sanctuary that wasn't really that big, much bigger than this space, gave us all a pause. Um, So then the question came up, what should we do at 505 Schoolhouse Road? How should 505 grow? How do we decide what we want to do. Who decides what we want to do? And the building improvement committee started staring at each other around a room. The four of us were staring at each other saying, "Uh uh-oh, we need everyone to be involved here. This is not a BIC issue anymore. This is a church, church body issue. Okay, so what does this mean? Um, First of all, we have a lot of opportunity here at this site. There's, there's much opportunity to build here at 505. Okay. Um, likely completing the east wing is, is the reality. That's that way. What is that scope going to be? Um, that's what we're working on now. We can expand the sh- this sanctuary. We can expand it and make it bigger. We have to be sensitive, though, to the building costs, and we have to be open to alternatives, how we structure Sunday morning and how we structure our growth model. We just have to be flexible when it comes to that. We also need to be sensitive to the community regarding site development. This is a fancy way of saying we don't want to build a big parking lot at this site and turn everything that's wonderful here into a big concrete place to Put as many cars in as you possibly can. That's not good for... We don't think it's good for this site. We don't think that's good necessarily for the community either. To do all this, we may need to commit to a, a growth model that's five to ten years. Because it all has to kind of tie together. I wrote here, uh, change is inevitable. We have to either manage it or it will manage us. So in the short run, likely alternatives include... Expanding services like we did in 2008, three or four services. Gets more capacity here at 505, and it is a lower-cost way of increasing our capacity. Multi-site, Hocus and Baptist Church structure can be used to solve long-term um, restrictions here at 505. That's another way of growing. Uh, church planting is possible, of course. Ironically, Church planting was how this church was started in 1982. So church planting is nothing new. Um, So that's the status of where we are. Uh, We were all gung-ho last summer to go build a brand new sanctuary there. And maybe we would be breaking ground right now. Um, But when you looked at the details of what we were trying to do, and understand the scale and the scope of what we were trying to do, we realized some limitations, and that's what's tying us in to what Eric is going to talk about, uh, and Rick is going to talk about in a minute. He's Eric in email, by the way, so he's (laughs) Rick Eric. So he's going to talk about that in a minute, and we're all going to try to pull this together in the next few months. And then once we commit to a growth model, then we can go back to our building improvement committee plan and put, to, put forth a plan to the congregation that makes sense inside of that model. And then we can go. I don't have any uh, time for questions right now, so Rick, 
Why don't you just come up? Thanks, Chris. Okay, so uh, I'm going to try to do a little better job with my notes tonight than I did this morning because I didn't have any glasses this, this morning. So thanks to Dennis Gearhart, I have a pair of glasses. <laughs> so so uh, I think Chris did a really good job of, of kind of summing things up here and, and giving you a good perspective from the BIC. So I'm, I'm here to uh, report back for the uh, Planning and Spreading Committee. And uh, Eric uh, Baylor is uh, spending some time with his mother. And I think today was her 80th birthday. So he surprised her in Paris. So that was really good. So I think we can all appreciate uh, his travel and, and not being here. So I'm, I want to report back. Uh, the Planning and Spreading Committee has been uh, busy with, with uh, you know, a lot of activities. And so talk a little bit about that. Um, as Chris mentioned, you know, Hokeston started as a church plant in uh, 1982, 29 years ago. So our roots are there. And, you know, the planning and spreading committee uh, has a lot of thoughts about this. So I'm going to try and distill it uh, down. Uh, our charter uh, for the committee is that, you know, that, we're gonna, that we want to take our missionary heart that we have as a church and, and how can we use that to expand the kingdom and serve our Lord. Uh, and specifically, uh, we were chartered to look at local uh, missions and, and not like overseas. You know, we've got that that area, but that's not what the PSC was focused on. And that our ultimate goal was really uh, not necessarily growing Hocuston Baptist, but growing the kingdom. And how can we serve God and grow the kingdom outside of our walls? So that's that was our charter back in February of 2010. Uh, so we've been working towards that, but I want to th- point out three of the specific, there, or there were three goals and objectives that we were chartered with, and two specifically that I want to highlight. Uh, the second one, identify and propose effective ways to disciple our community about God's desire to build his kingdom and the need for efforts outside our walls at HPC. And then the third one was create and recommend specific strategies to spread God's kingdom. These strategies must have an internal and external component. The internal strategy focuses on our church's role in the overall spreading effort, and the external strategy focuses on the initiative itself. So we've spent a lot of time processing these, but, you know, what have we done? I mean, in in the year and a half or so since uh, a PSC was formed, uh, you know, the team's been, been working hard under Eric's leadership, and, of course, everyone knows the, the Loma coffee uh, effort that we've done. It's been very successful. We're seeing a, a big impact in the local community there. I mean, really getting this, uh, relationships built. Uh, and, and the way I think of it is a little bit like, uh, I don't know, forgive me, but I, I'm a history buff. So it just reminds me of like Normandy, you know, uh, World War II, we've established the beachhead. And, and that's where we are in the city. And, and so we're going there to do God's work. And so we've done that. We've got the relationships, and, and things are looking very positive. Uh, you know, we have, uh, every art loop, we have the art loop uh, nights. We have, uh, we've done like a karaoke night. We have a Bible study group that meets there on Wednesday nights, uh, led by John. And we're always looking for other things, too. And, and we're looking forward to opening uh, the space next door as well uh, in the fall here going forward. So a lot of things are happening there. That's very exciting. But so what do we, where do we go from there? You know, it's kind of where we are. It's like, okay, this is good, but the next step, like what's the, uh, what's the five-year vision? You know, what's the next few years beyond, beyond that? What are we going to do with, with this space, and, and how are we going to make the biggest impact we can? Uh, we've also been working on Alpha, and, and so we, we led that, or we uh, launched that last spring, uh, had a team, and we uh, conducted that at Tyler's over in Pike Creek, and that went really well. We had, uh, I'd say on average throughout the, the 10 week, it was about 25 people that came out every Wednesday night to uh, either to serve uh, some of the people who are seeking God or, or seekers. Um, and that was a really good, a good uh, ministry, and we're going to continue that uh, starting this week. 
So we've been doing that. We're also looking for other opportunities. How can we serve the community through uh, like servant evangelism things? You know, how can we just show the love of God in order to open people up to the gospel? And so that's, that's something we've been spending a lot of time on. But again, we're realizing what's happening here with the space. And we're thinking bigger. I mean, the planning and spreading committee, okay, we're, you know, honestly, when are we going to plant a church? You know, that's the question. And what's our strategy for doing that? How do we get there? Uh, what does that look like? So we've spent a lot of time processing that, especially the last two meetings. I can tell you, everyone gets so uh, excited, really, and energized about doing this and serving, serving the Lord, serving, you know, helping Hocus and Baptist uh, realize uh, this. And so that's what I'm really trying to come to you with is that, um, you know, we've processed this. We've talked with the pastors. We've talked with Chris, and, and we've been interacting. And as John led with, I mean, it's just it's a, it's a question of how are we going to fulfill the Great Commission? What's our strategy with this? And, uh, to, you know, to do nothing is, is, is a strategy. So we need to be proactive and think this through, be aligned, and, and move ahead. And so... Really, what I'm here to tell you is that we we need that. We, it's we're, it's time, and so uh, we look forward to uh, to this process as we go forward. And with that, I think it's I'll turn it over to John. You know, part of where we need to go is is uh, how do we give these these teams uh, the trigger to move and. Uh, growth model speaks to part of that, but what we're actually doing is is a little deeper than that. We, I don't. I think we're falling, stopping short if we are thinking of space and time right now, saying what do they need to do. But rather, I think it's more uh, responsible of us to say how do we ultimately want to grow, and then allow that to pull certain triggers. And so that's really why we're why we're starting with this question. We're going to get invariably down the fall to many colorful, challenging, fun, and difficult questions. But how we want to grow really needs to show up right up front because at some levels it's boring, um, but it's, it's absolutely critical. And it's the kind of thing that we're going to continually revisit on. Right? These are the big ideas that we'll continually come back to encourage ourselves, to remind ourselves, to discipline ourselves uh, before the Lord and before one another. What I want to do now is add a third perspective, and that is, how does this question of growth model um, deal with the idea of who we are as a church and also the idea of maturity? We're at a place in life, in the life of the church, that whatever we do next is a shaping decision. It's, it's been said already that building out um, you know, a 12-story brick-and-mortar building that could house 6,000 people, that's a shaping decision. It's not possible, but it was a shaping decision, right? Relocating, if there was an obvious candidate, which we haven't been able to locate, but if there were an obvious candidate close by, that would also be a shaping decision. Relocating somewhere that's far away would, would be a drastic shaping decision because we have so many members that come from all over that we're almost pinned down to about moving two miles from here, but not more. You move significantly east, and Oxford, Westgrove goes, what, do we not matter? Right? And you move, you know, north of Avondale, and Bear and Newcastle go, you know, once again, we're Bear and Newcastle. You know, and, and so we, we have to be very careful. Remember, there's a core that's from Hokesson, but we're drawing from a 40-minute circle. We come from Delaware County, Pennsylvania, Chester County, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Cecil County, Cecil County, Maryland, and as far south as even Middletown on Sunday. So that kind of puts our location in tension. So if we were going to relocate, that is a shaping decision. Meeting at multiple locations is a shaping decision. Becoming, uh, you know, planting and meeting at multiple locations, that's a shaping decision. And of course, like Rick said, choosing to do nothing is a shaping decision. So I guess I'm suggesting is, is we are necessarily at a pivotal place in the life of the church. This is a pivotal place in the life of our church. It's not being kind of created. We're here. We've arrived. We've arrived because we filled this building up 
which was our growth model for a very long time, was we have a big building, and we didn't have lots of people, and so we didn't have to ask these difficult questions in sequence with one another. But we're here, and we've arrived. And I want us to uh, kind of—I want to introduce a few concepts to show how uh, God wants to mature His kingdom and how that's affected by growth model, because it certainly is. If you're wondering, like, where is God wants to mature His church in all of this? Like, I, we talk too much about building and spreading. I'll say this. God matures his church in the way we ask these other questions. So, how God wants to mature his church is all over this thing. It's how we move forward together. It's, do we put the right questions in the right order? Do we suffer one another? Do we encourage one another in this process? Right? If there is a church plant, do you go if God calls? And if there is a church plant... Do you stay even though you want to go because God has not said yes? I guarantee you, this is a very maturing question. And so, does God want, absolutely God wants to mature his church. And this is a time when how we ask these questions is, is how we're going to be maturing as we move forward. Our growth model is not just a strategic idea. We're not a corporation that's trying to kind of market a product better. We're not trying to figure out how do we scale up. This is a spiritual question. It's a highly spiritual question, which ultimately we're saying is how does God want us to grow? And that's what we're trying to answer well. And, and I think we've been doing this. We've done this through the life of the church. I don't think we've ever used the phrase growth model, and we haven't coined fancy terms like gross premature, but we, they've been happening. What I want to do is just introduce three of them to you just to kind of bolster your confidence of going, oh yeah, we do this all the time. Right? We're just not doing it again. For those of you who've been around a while, you'll, you'll recognize these. In 2007, when we went to a two-service model, we didn't talk in growth model terms, but it was certainly a growth model question. And it, this is how it sounded. When we started fielding the question and, and, uh, back then about two services, uh, the church, by and large, you can validate this, many of you are here, we, we bought into the idea of two services. We said, yeah, we've got to go to two services. We understand two services. There was a spirit in the church of saying, we understand we have to be able to grow. We can't say, us four and no more. Right? That was not really present in the church. What was present came out, and in, in, it makes me chuckle. Uh, it's not funny, but it sounds funny, because it came out in this form. What are we going to do with the coffee time? That, oddly enough, was the question. Like, we're talking about going to two services for the growth of the kingdom. And people are like, yeah, 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 okay, that's fine. What about the coffee time? And uh, what not, they were not saying is, I really love my coffee. What they were saying is, is I love my church. And I'm going to miss them if I don't see them again. It was a growth model statement. It was saying, I don't mind if we grow as long as we don't grow apart too much. That's what we were saying. What we were saying was, I don't mind if we grow, but what, one of the reasons I really came here and I grew here and I fell in love with here is because of you. And if you're on the other side of 1030, will I ever see you again? It was a growth model question. We just didn't have those terms in mind. And many of you, I see the head nods. We're with you. Our phased approach, our phased approach to building this building out. We said phase one, two, three, and we, we, this was before my time, but we held, held short on the, the lower level for a while because of, of costs. That expressed a growth model tenant, I believe. It expressed something that I think has been present in this church for as long as I can remember, which is we do not want the material things of this world to shackle us in light of the vision of God's kingdom. Like, we want to do things, but we don't want to do things, material things. We don't want to do things that are brick and mortar, that, that shackle us so much that human beings, which is all the kingdom is about, get in some way put in a secondary position. I mean, I have to tell you, this church, you are so, you are to be honored, I think, for the way you have asked that question in a responsible way. I mean, I am so proud of the way this church has been able to do things and hold short. And do things and hold short. Because we all want a fancy church at Christmas. We all want to unwrap it and enjoy it. And we've said, ah, let's, let's hold our freedom, right? And we owe $26,000 on a great building. 
We're free. We are essentially free. The only reason we can ask this question tonight is because of this tenet of growth. To say, the church is about people. Bricks and mortar shelter the house of God while it worships. But the church is about people. Here's another one. And I am so proud of this one. When the church was planted nearly 30 years ago, they didn't talk, I don't think, I wasn't around here. They didn't talk that much, I don't think, in terms of a growth model. But they have displayed a characteristic that our church has always held on to, which is one of forgoing comfort for potential kingdom growth. That we're in a gym for crying out loud. Right? This church has always said, right, uh, the growth of the kingdom over personal comfort. And I just think that is, that is something that is in us, and it's admirable. And I, these are just three of, of a numerous number of ways that over, over the life of this church, we've been asking growth model questions in their own time and in their own way as the Lord presents them to us. And I think we've been answering in a faithful way. And I, just, I want us to know that we're coming to the question again. Not for the first time. We're just coming to the question again. And it's our time to ask this, given the circumstances that are before us here. So I would say whatever our growth model is going to be, we need to, start, we need to first kind of ask, who are we, and what do we want to stay the same about us, and what, do we want about, what can a change about us? Because whatever we do is going to change us. So what do we want, what do we think absolutely needs to stay the same, and what are the things that are negotiable? And... And this is, this is probably a set of questions that is going to hone and refine over the upcoming months. But these are some that I think are not far from the mark, and I think they would resonate with you. That I, and I kind of list them in, in order of importance. As I've, Isaac, I have experienced them with many of you. But I would say this. First and foremost, uh, at least I'm convicted, that our church is a word-centered community of Jesus Christ. We're centered around the word, and we're centered around a word that interprets it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is central in our church. That we are students of the word and we are also subject to the word. And whatever we would do, however we would grow, that's, an, I would assume, is a non-negotiable. That, that we, don't, we don't want to forfeit how we mature and grow in the word of God by the kind of structure we build or the kind of way we grow. We don't, there's been, I've been reluctant, you know, ch- as churches grow and I'm way off script, so someone like raise a red flag if I keep going, but as churches get bigger, invariably this is what you see, by the, this is just what you see. They go, they abandon Sunday school and they go to small groups that meet in homes. I know why they do this because I wake up in the morning and I stare at myself in the mirror and I say, am I going to do that? Because adult Sunday school is logistically challenging on Sunday morning. We could do three services here easily if we didn't have adult Sunday school. But if people are only going to come to church between 8.30 and noon, which is roundabout, and you don't jettison adult discipleship, you can't have three services. That's why big churches jettison adult discipleship. And we say to ourselves, it's, it'll happen well in life group settings. And it does happen well in life group settings, but I don't believe it happens consistently in the life group setting. And I, I do ultimately think that that begins to cope, compromise our commitment to the teaching and the preaching of the Word. And that's why, that's why I resist it, and I think our church has been okay with, with encouraging one another through Bible study and through Sunday school. Not that we all go but we still encourage one another and say the word of God is an authority over us that guides us through life and we ought to be students and subjects of it. And that needs to remain up front and before us. I would say that's a first tenet. I also would say another thing that I think is consistent is that this church has always been a family or a tight-knit fellowship. That's, I think, a core reason why people have come here and grown here is because they found family here, they found deep, meaningful relationships here, and we wouldn't want a growth model to, to forfeit that either. That if we got so big that we were a number, that you were just a number, well, we better be intentional about doing that because I don't think that's why many of you came. 
we didn't come to just be a number. We came because of our family. And if, if we're going to allow that to change, well, that is a growth model question. And, and I don't think we want that to change. I think we value the way we belong. I think we value the smallness. Let me just say it that way. We value the smallness. That's why we feel challenged when we go, we know the church has to grow, but I like my small church. I think there's a way out of that one. But I think it shapes growth model. I also think, like I've said before, that we value material freedom. I think this church sees people as more important than bricks and mortar. And so we use finances and structures as a means to an end. How can we create an environment where we can minister to people? And I would be reluctant to to shackle ourselves to a $5 million building program, a $6 million building program that would shackle and potentially suffocate our freedom to do what God has commanded us to do. These are the things, I think. And there's more, right? There are certainly other things that define us, but these, I don't think, are far from the mark of kind of the chemistry or the DNA of Hokesson Baptist Church. And they should shape, I think, what we're going to do as we move on. And if these are going to remain the same, then we're committing ourselves to a growth model that grows families, like smaller congregations, right, instead of growing one massive congregation here. And, and in, light of, in light of the challenges that the BIC has experienced and the, cha- and the, the energy of the Planning and Spreading Committee, I see, I see answers here, powerful answers here of saying, you know what, what if we just said, that the biggest this church will ever really be at 505 Schoolhouse is about 400 people. Let's build a great 400-person church because that's a, is about as big as we can really manage, right? And really, we're really saying like 300 that swells to 400, right? And then what if we begin to plant churches and start congregations in areas, remember, we're drawing from 40 minutes, so we have a 40-minute range where we can go and make kingdom impact. Why are families driving 40 minutes to get here? Apparently, there's something that's here that's not there, which is the Spirit's way of saying, come, come up here. And Acts, we're going to get to this place where the Spirit of the Lord says, come up here, come up here. You know, I'm not saying that God said it to me. I'm just saying when I read that, I have joy. Because I feel like the Spirit is saying to our church, come up here. There's room to move and grow. And, and, and so what we're suggesting is, given the energy to plant and given the challenges to growth here, is that we become a church that's pretty good at planting smallish kinds of churches that are word-centered and fellowship-oriented and that travel light to be free for the kingdom of God. And that we do that in multiple places and in multiple ways. And that would be our growth model. That our growth model is, certainly we would finish this building out in an appropriate way in an appropriate time, but we would also start communities in various places that would pursue the Great Commission in a way that's unique to them. Let me say it more clearly, that I, I, I think that our growth, the growth model of this church should be one that seeks to spread geographically as the primary means of growth because we're limited here and because there's opportunity there. Now that's the growth model. Um, In all of that is a need for the Building Improvement Committee and the Planning and Spreading Committee to have a green light to do what's next. And um, I'm now in this place of uh, wanting to be transparent because I think it's all I ever think about, by the way. When I'm swinging a hammer at the farm, I'm thinking about this. Um, I want to be fully transparent to you, but I don't want to cloud the issue. So I really think the issue for us right now is growth model. How do we want to grow? I think that we need to isolate that, and we need to be responsible enough to say, let's really answer that well before we answer all the other questions. But I I owe it to you just to say, this is where my mind goes. I want you to know just where I am and put a little bit of meat on, on the bones of all this, provided that you don't confuse the issues. Um, what I see is, given the energy down in lower market, and given as many families as we have as in Bear and Newcastle, is us encouraging many of these families 
to plant somewhere in the greater Wilmington area, like the riverfront. Um, we don't have a spot laid out, but that general area seems to be a very receptive area to both ministries. It seems to harvest the energy of lower market and all of our efforts there. It also seems to minister to people who would now be driving 10 minutes instead of 25 minutes. I think a next obvious place to go would be north and west of Avondale because driving through Avondale, even on a Sunday morning, is like sticking an ice poker through my head. That place is the worst. Right? And, and there are so many families that, that live north and west. And the last 20 questions we had in this church, do you know we had more families from Pennsylvania than Delaware? That's, that's the reality in our churches. We're, we're now drawing from there. And I know many families that, in the Oxford area that look and look and look and don't find a church that presents the gospel the way we do. They may be good churches, they just have a different flair. And so I would just say, like, as a, if you just want to know in my mind, I think we would be one church that meets at multiple locations, that we would be kind of reflect the same kind of identity, that we would enjoy at some level the oneness of the community that we have enjoyed for so long, but that at the same time we would be meeting in different geographic locations. In other words, I'm saying, let's add a third service to Sunday. Let's just do it somewhere else. Let's do it in a place that's truly evangelistic. Let's go somewhere where we kind of double the surface area of our church geographically and we're reaching more people because some of you in Bear love this church but won't invite your friends. And some of you in Oxford love this church and won't invite your friends because who in their right mind is going to drive 35 minutes on Sunday? Let's respond to that. Those are all secondary questions. They're not even in beta form. I don't know what comes before beta. Is it alpha? Seems like I should have been able to answer that one. Uh, you know, there certainly are, uh, are candidates for future discussion, right? The question right now is growth model. Is um, I think, I hope and pray that you've received the basic elements that are before us. The challenges here, the energy to spread, the commitment of the fullness of the Great Commission that lies before us, and just the reality that we're part of that. We're part of the movement of God. In our, in our area, in our desire to be part of that. And, and, and for now, I think it's enough just to commit or to begin to commit in your mind and ask questions about the growth model. Is this how we want to grow? Everything else will come in its own time, certainly in its own speed, and it will come in its own time. But let's for now focus on the growth model. I want to give you a timeline. Here's a basic timeline of how, how the fall will look. First of all, Thursday, this Thursday night, is a regularly scheduled quarterly business meeting. And uh, it's here. It's at 7, 7 o'clock. And uh, there's a number of important things we'll be talking about. One, uh, we're starting to build out the Loma ministry space. We're getting ready to commence that. And we'd love to share and, and, and kind of give a state of that ministry for many of you. Uh, so that's something we'll talk about. The Mission Giving Review Team is coming forward with their motion from the last one to discuss how we spread and disburse our, our ministry funds here. In case you don't know, this is a very giving church, and we've been in a, a, a reorganization all year to figure out how do we better do that to minister to the kingdom of God. So they'll be presenting. Also, uh, the new position of Director of Children's Ministries is coming forward for a vote on that day, uh, to, and it is also supplied with a name of Charlotte Abouf, and that's coming forth for a vote, so um, we'd love to have you there to, to hear and discuss that. And there's nominations. So it's worth coming to, even though you came to church Sunday night. But I'll also stay, stay and by. Terry, Pastor Terry and I will hang out after the meeting. I'll adjourn that meeting, so that it's not another epic meeting. I'll adjourn it, and then I'll remain behind to discuss this. And as long as you want, uh, I'm yours Thursday night, as is Pastor Terry, and just to discuss it and, and, and to, to hear your thoughts. On October 9th, which is three Sundays from today, uh, we're, we're trying to figure out the best way, but I do think as a church, we should adopt, I think there should be some formality to adopting this growth model. I think it's invaluable in the history of a church and in our life to put stakes in the ground at various times to say, we, before God, we're saying this is how we want to grow. And so... Um, likely there'll be like an affirmation vote after the second service, something where we can be here together and 
kind of say to the Lord with one another, this is how we're going to grow. And so we have three weeks to discuss and talk and listen about it, but that's where that's coming, I think, on, on the 9th of October. Uh, some time to talk about that. In the meantime, well, I should also say, the month of October will be a time when uh, the BIC is ginning back up with its responsibilities, and the Planning and Spreading Committee is kind of beginning to cast, this is what we think this would look like, this next new thing, which is new to us, right? We did plant 30 years ago, but that was a long time ago. And I wouldn't call us a planting church, right? There was that time when 12 did it. Um, and so we need to begin to think and imagine what would that look like and, and, and how it might be structured. And so during the month of October, part of it will be very structural. Here's some ideas, but part of it will be very spiritual. I have, I have in my heart uh, a need to pray. I want to pray with you. I want us to pray together. Not just about this, but just about us and the Lord. So every Tuesday, every Tuesday in the month of October, there's a prayer service, either in the evenings or in the mornings on Tuesday, for people in our church just to gather and pray. Right here, no frills. It'll just be a prayer service. We'll be here, and we hope you come. There'll be time for spiritual questions and a time for, for us to ask questions of ourselves before the Lord, time for fasting and, and, and prayer, like I said. And, and that, I think, is the month of October. I think uh, by November we probably need to have a decent sense of the big pieces. Because the 2012 budget, you want that to anticipate what we're going to become. You don't, you don't want to do a 2012 budget. Right? The reality is, is budgets are shaping once they're voted on. And you don't want the budget to drive the vision. You want the vision to drive the budget. And so at the very least, by November, moving into December, we want to kind of have a peace of mind going, are we, you know, how much of the BIC, how much of the building do we anticipate in this next year? What do we think that's going to cost us to do the next most obvious thing? And, and are we, in fact, going to plant a church? And, you know, how much will that cost in the short term? And what is that going to involve? We want to have a, a sense, a grasp of those things as we're moving forward into 2012. And so I think it would be great if, if we could have enough consensus in the church to have the big pieces together as we're rolling into 2012 and as things go silent for Christmas. And, you know, you don't have to know if you're going to go to a church at the riverfront. There's time for those questions. We just, have, we just want to be seeking, is it right and good to try to do that? That's all we need to know. I'll close with this. This is from the 17th chapter of John. Christ prays. Uh, he, he prays for the disciples. He prays for himself. And then he does this. And it's such a special place in the Gospel of John. He stops and he prays for us. He says, actually, my prayer now is not just for you. It's for those who are going to come, which is us. And this is what he says. My prayer is not for them alone being the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me, their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, listen to this, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I think that's such a good prayer for our church. We pray with me? Lord, we do pray uh, first and foremost, that we might be one, uh, that we might be in you as you are in the Father. Thank you for this time, Lord. Um, Father, I pray for myself and for Pastor Terry, uh, for a spirit of humility and for good listening ears, and uh, for the, uh, the great optimism to continually share our hope that, uh, that you've given us in our station. Lord, I pray for uh, the leaders of uh, so many of these committees and ministries that will be impacted by whatever we choose, Lord, that this, this we know, Father, that this is a season of work for your kingdom. And Lord, finally, I pray for the church as a whole, that uh, you would be proud of the questions we ask, Lord, and maybe... Father, even if we don't always agree about everything, Lord, that we would be long-suffering in the way we suffer one another for the sake of the kingdom. Lord, be with us and guide us. 
Father, and I just I pray this with great anticipation for what you might do, Lord. I think of uh, the way that you bless a church that is one in the Spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for your time. Have a good night.